Welcome to this week's look back at the week that was in another installment of KUAR's Week in Review podcast. The state Supreme Court takes a look at an LGBT civil rights battle between state and city. And in the legislature... A deadline for constitutional amendments closes. Abortion legislation turns heads nationally and a small victory for undocumented immigrants on college campuses. In the nation's capital, an Arkansas congressman leads the way on a new online sales tax. We'll have a few odds and ends, too. That's all coming up. I'm Jacob Kaufman. And I'm Chris Hickey. And I'm Karen Trico-Stewart. A major state Supreme Court case started this week. We heard oral arguments for the first time, but we're tricking you listeners. We'll get back to that later at the end of the podcast. Michael Hiblin and Sarah White's Kodachek recorded an interview earlier this week. We'll play that at the end. But basically, it's all about Fayetteville passing a law to protect gender identity and sexual orientation, despite a state law in 2015 that banned such local ordinances if they weren't found already in state law. So check back. You could go ahead and skip forward to the end of the podcast uh, first, let's start off with uh, something that grabbed some national headlines this week. Arkansas was in the news for some uh, an abortion bill that passed. Uh, Karen, you looked a little bit about this. What was the major complaint here? It seemed like it allowed possibly someone to get sued. So basically, the spouses of women having an abortion could sue the doctors who were issuing that abortion, essentially um, stopping the abortion process. Yeah. And this was all part of um, Andy Mayberry's bill. He's a Republican from Hensley, just outside of Little Rock, and is part of this bigger bill that would ban a common second trimester abortion procedure called dilation and evacuation. And what you're talking about was just at the end of the bill, kind of not noticed, and uh, Associated Press would point out that other states have this law in effect. Where that's not happening, people who push the law say that that was not their intention to allow uh, spouses or fathers to to sue anyone in their family over it. So we'll see how that plays out in, in court. There's a promised court challenge. Uh, Chris, there's another abortion bill related to um, say, or sex selection abortion. What's that debate about? From what I understand, uh, State Representative Charlie Collins, a Republican of, Fayette, Republican of Fayetteville, has uh, sponsored this measure that would um, uh, prohibit, but not necessarily always prohibit, you know, right. because it's it, it, it involves the intention of the mother seeking an abortion if... Uh, her stated purpose is to uh, use the procedure for gender selection for unborn child, then um, it, uh, that would be prohibited under law, for, under this bill. And uh, Collins sort of acknowledged during the week that this isn't maybe a known problem in Arkansas, but he feared that maybe uh, immigrants from other countries where it is more common, like China or something, that that might be something that's happening underneath the radar. Sort of. Yeah, and... Um, you know, you could find out more by listening, uh, reading Bobby Ampizone yes. of Arkansas Public Media's report on this. Right. Okay. Uh, next issue. Uh, no surprise, Arkansas legislature is passing abortion bills that will be taken up in court at a later date. Um, the legislature can send three constitutional amendments to the public to be voted on in the future. The deadline for filing those happened this week. There are about 30 of them or so, Chris. So rather than talk about all 30 in 10 seconds at once, why don't you just pick a, pick a few that you think were big, big items? Yeah, like you said, the deadline to file these things was Wednesday. And on Thursday, the Senate state agencies and governmental affairs began discussing a couple of them. They'll be discussing them over the course of the rest of the session. Um, as you said, only three proposals can be referred to the people. 
So, you know, among 30, you know, it's kind of a, a strange kind of un, maybe unruly process in a way uh, to kind of get a consensus about which three are to be uh, referred. Um, so none or these first two that were discussed, uh, nothing was decided about them. There was just a hearing. Uh, the first one is a bipartisan measure uh, by Senate Majority Leader Jim Hendren, Republican from Gravit, the governor's nephew, we always have yes. to mention, <laughs> and um, a Democratic Senate Minority Leader Keith Ingram out of West Memphis, um, who has a, a concrete business. <laughs> and, <personal tidbit. laughs> and his brother and dad were in the legislature. So oh, it's yeah. all in the family for everybody. So um, they want to uh, end the biennial fiscal session. This is a uh, legislative session that occurs in even numbered years, uh, like we had one last year. The voters approved only like 10 years ago. Yeah, there was a constitutional amendment in 2008. Uh, 2008. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> That's good. 2008 that um, uh, that voters approved to uh, start up this fiscal session. Uh, the first one was in t 2010. Uh, basically, it's a, it's a month-long session where legislators pass state budgets for the year. And they also do that in the regular session for that year. Mm -hmm. um, but it was put forward as an idea to, you know, just pass a budget. Extra opportunity to make adjustments. You know. Right. But uh, instead what's happened, or at least these two legislators claim, um, has is that the fiscal session has been increasingly used to pass policy measures or at least mm -hmm. affect policy in a way that was not originally intended. And they also say it's a cost-saving measure. So they presented their, their bill in the, the House State Agencies, or excuse me, the Senate State Agencies Committee. Um, not good sound of that, but I caught up with uh, Senator Keith Ingram later, and um, here's how he, he kind of uh, elab he elaborates here on the idea that uh, the fiscal session is not being used on what, for the intended purpose. You know, there's always legislative creep, yes, more so than was intended, and what turned into a fiscal session has turned into um, ways to try to get around the, the rules for the fiscal session to implement uh, policy and laws and things that were never intended by, the I think, the citizens when they voted for the fiscal session. This state operated for many, many years on a biennium and did very, very well. Uh, I think it comes down to, quite honestly, uh, if you believe in less government, uh, then you would want your legislators to spend more time at home and less time at the Capitol in Little Rock. And I think that's what Senator Hendren and I uh, believe in. Democrats taking the conservative line there. But what did uh, Senator Hendren say? Well, he said things along those lines just in the sense that um, we've moved away from this idea of the part-time legislator, the part-time citizen legislator who has a job elsewhere. They've paid themselves a, now to be full-time legislators also. Right. There, yeah, there's a, they have gotten a substantial pay increase um, a couple of years ago. And No proposal ongoing. to lower their salaries if they get rid of the fiscal session. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, um, I, Ingram said that this would likely save the state money of, in mm -hmm. between the tune of uh, four hundred five hundred thousand dollars uh, but um, uh, for that year, uh, Hendren, you know, he, like you said, he said, um, like I said, he said, <laughs> who said he said, <laughs> he said, he said, um, it, it would, it would, it would go back to this idea of the, like, 
legislators being able to like have a business or be a mm -hmm. farmer in their in their off time kind of do real things real jobs like real people and also right. come to the capital uh, every couple of years well they they come to the capital he owns a plastic quite factory frequently. yeah um anyway and, and along these um, along these lines um but um moving on uh or ingram uh was i was asking him and hendren mentioned this in the Senate committee as well. Um, this subcommittee on special language as part of the joint budget committee has been uh, kind of doing mm -hmm. a lot of this legislative creeping, I, I guess you could say, inserting kind of policy provisions inside budget bills. Um, and I asked him about that. I think that they have tried to fill a void uh, in the fiscal session uh, that they have a have a mandate for in a general session and I don't think that the voters when they passed the fiscal session intended for us to begin to uh, find ways around the rules that had been set up uh, regarding the, the, the fiscal session itself I don't think people intended for this to become a, another legislative session but in effect that is what has happened so the fact this uh, has some bipartisan support, um, you know, it, it would it would make yeah, it a good yeah. Both majority candidate. leaders. That's like kind of strange. Uh, yeah, or minority and majority. Yeah, right, um, right. You know, so you know, probably as a decent as decent a chance of passing as any of the other measures. Let's put it that right. way. And there's one that doesn't have any chance to pass. That is something the governor's floated though, right? About uh, judicial appointments. Yeah, he he's. He's uh, expressed some, you know, measure of warmth to an idea okay. of, of pointing uh, justices to the state Supreme Court. I'm mm. pretty much because it would give him more power, I'm sure. Um, but and who happens to be carrying that bill? Uh, Jeremy Hutchinson, the se state <laughs> senator. I'm I'm not sure if they're related. nephews. Oh, or he's, they, a, he's a he's nephew. A, okay, yeah. nephew. So another another nephew. Um, let's see. So he has a bill. Um, he's a lawyer. And a member of the bar association and stuff, yeah. um, they that organization has talked about it, setting up an appointment system for uh, judicial candidates on the state supreme court because so much money has been spent by outside groups these past uh, few election cycles for state supreme court justices by outside groups and um, they've influenced the election to such degree that uh, it's really distorting the process, but. A lot of state senators and other legislators are reluctant to um, go along with this appointment system because it takes away the power of electing from the people. Right. Um, and, you know, Hutchinson acknowledged this, but he says there should be some other way to reform the system. Well, I think if you required reporting on dark money or outside interest groups, um, people have to report when they contribute to me. People have to report when they contribute to... Uh, PACs, um, political PACs. There's no, I mean, the Supreme Court and Citizens United laid out an exception for judicial races and said that because of the unique nature of the judiciary that we can regulate further. Uh, so we're not asking for it to be stopped or banned, but at the very least, tell the voters of Arkansas who's spending one and a half million dollars to elect somebody. That it should be. I mean, I think every voter should demand that. And uh, 
should mention, it's not a constitutional amendment, but uh, Clark Duck Tucker, state representative, Democrat of Little Rock, has a bill that would expose this or that would require outside groups mm -hmm. uh, who influence uh, judicial elections through um, messaging ads to disclose their donors. But that doesn't appear to be going anywhere either. <laughs> Um, as far as constitutional amendments go, uh, I think uh, early next week, uh, Senator, State Senator Missy Irvin of uh, Mountain View is going to present her um, resolution to uh, limit uh, awards and contingency fees in um, tort lawsuits, uh, you know, workplace. Which was on the ballot injury. last November. Briefly. Right. Yeah. And this uh, it seems like it would be a, a more restrictive measure. Um, and that's opposed by like the State Bar Association and probably some other And groups. I guess we'll note at the end of this that citizen-referred constitutional amendments have to be reviewed by the attorney general and have their short titles approved by them. When they're approved by the legislature, they don't have that same restriction. So they can title things a little differently. Okay, uh, let's move on to something else uh, that happened on the other side of the state capitol and the House side, the issue of sanctuary campuses. Yeah, and this was at the uh, committee meeting on education um, for mm -hmm. the House. Uh, Representative Brant Smith, a Republican, uh, presented this bill to uh, require uh, enforcement agencies at universities to... Uh, Comply with federal immigration law, basically. Right, and Jacob, you covered this, so take it from here. Okay, <laughs> all right. So Brant Smith, um, his fear was that... Uh, Rogue, radical professors would turn the campus into something like uh, UC Berkeley. This is directed at the radical fringe anarchist types that want to change our campuses from those decent places where people go to get an education into what we saw over the news at UC Berkeley. He's referring to some riots that happened over a conservative speaker that was going to speak at UC Berkeley. Uh, worth noting, and uh, several legislators noted this, there are zero sanctuary campuses in Arkansas, and if they ever adopted such policies, they would already lose state funding, and the legislature already controls their funding anyway. So a lot of argument here that this is kind of an unnecessary bill. Um, Br Brant Smith said uh, there are lots of onlookers. They spilled out from the committee room into the hallway who are opposed to this bill. Uh, he said his intention, though, was not to be cruel or mean-hearted. He said he doesn't want any students to be deported. He just wishes that they would get out of the political crosshairs and stop holding signs and saying things like, I'm undocumented. Even the quiet little church mouse can get a degree if they'll just eat their cheese quietly and go about their daily life. So a lot of the onlookers especially didn't really like that comment, telling them to be quite church mice and just take what they could get. Um, one person who testified, a member from the public, he was a retired combat veteran who was born in Mexico. Uh, I can't remember his first name. His last name was Alvarez. He said he didn't really like that comment. We have protected speech under the First Amendment because all men are created equal. We are endowed by our Creator as such, according to the Constitution last time I checked. And you're not going to sit here and say, because you, or I consider you to be different, you no longer apply and I want you to be quiet and not state your mind. And while there was some public pressure in that room, at least, uh, the real reason the bill got shot down was because of Republicans, members of Brant Smith's own party, saying that they just didn't really see why he was presenting this. But right now, already in our state, have they not already all signed, but they would lose all monies if they allowed it to happen. 
So my question is, did you know that they had already signed these I knew this. to block it and, and that, uh, that they would already lose all monies if they participated in something such as a sanctuary school? I was aware of some of that. So that was Representative Deanne Vaught of Horatio in southwest Arkansas. And uh, earlier in the week, Smith had a similar kind of bill. It was about preventing Sharia law. And uh, a lot of Repo- even though the Sharia law one passed, this uh, sanctuary campus bill died in committee on a voice vote. But they're both kind of things that were addressing theoretical problems. And uh, the governor in a press conference kind of almost laughed in response to both of them, just saying he's never seen the need for a Sharia law bill based on his time in court. So while that bill died in committee, uh, well, actually, let's take a break. Karen Trico-Stewart will talk to you next about an online sales tax issue. This is something that happened far away from Little Rock in the nation's capital. Uh, one of Arkansas's own representatives, U.S. Congressman Steve Womack of Rogers, he's in his fourth term perhaps now, uh, he's been trying to spearhead this for a long time. What, what problem is he trying to address? Right. Um, So essentially, at its core, this is a debate about um, online sales tax that is supposed to be collected um, by law, but is not being done so. And at a time when uh, states are seeing budget shortfalls, when they're looking for ways to fill their coffers, this is um, an issue that they often go back to in terms of uh, something that they can use to uh, generate more more sales tax. And what's what you said the sales tax is already supposed to be collected now, so why isn't it being collected? Um, basically because in its implementation, it wasn't uh, well practical. Uh, so the first part of the law states that um, if the online retailer has a physical presence in a state, then uh, that online retailer is supposed to collect tax. But the second part uh, states that if a consumer... Uh, buys a product tax-free, that consumer is supposed to keep receipts and file uh, it with their taxes um, and show, you know, where uh, they needed to uh, pay online sales tax, but no one is really doing this. Right. Yeah. Like I'm sure a lot of us have bought something on Amazon, for instance, and under the current law, we're supposed to be reporting this in our taxes based on our Amazon wish list or whatever we ended up buying. Right. Right. Um, and Amazon's one of those companies that doesn't have a physical presence in Arkansas, but they're not necessarily against this, are they? No, they're not. In fact, um, they make a couple of, of cases why they're not, and they've written a public statement um, about not being against this. Mm-hmm. Um, the first statement, or I'm sorry, the first sentiment by them is that um, they like this because really they are a large online retailer. Um Charging people state sales tax is costly to implement. Uh, Amazon can eat up that cost, but smaller online retailers uh, can't. So for Amazon, it's about, well, hurting the smaller online retailers and um, competition. That, okay. That's a regulation they can afford, but maybe their competitors couldn't. Uh, right. So what's the progress of this bill? The new Congress was just sworn in. Right. Um, so Senator U.S. Representative Steve Womack of Arkansas um, in 2013, first introduced legislation. It essentially didn't uh, go anywhere. And then he made a renewed effort recently. Um, it also seems to not be going anywhere. Uh, at this time, it is stuck in House Judiciary Committee and doesn't seem to be coming up for a vote. Womack is, uh, he thinks that if it does come up for a vote, it'll pass. But right now, it's just stuck. Uh, on the state level, though, it's not quite a companion bill, but it addresses kind of a similar problem. Right. That has 
uh, cleared some hurdles in the state legislature. Do you know about that bill, what the differences are? They're addressing the same problem, basically. Right, exactly. So there's one bill uh, that has cleared the House, one bill that has cleared the Senate. They are indeed addressing uh, the same issues. So I think the general sentiment there is, well, if one doesn't pass, then hopefully the other will. Right. Okay. And state level, different level of control, I guess, over uh, businesses that are out of state. So maybe there's some constitutional questions there. And the state one is by um, State Senator Jake Files of Fort Smith. And I think uh, some conservative groups like Americans for Prosperity oppose it because it'd be a new tax, basically. Right. And they see it as a, a new tax. They see it as a tax hike because this isn't something that uh, consumers have been paying, but according to law, they should have been. Uh, so, uh, you know, U.S. Mm. Representative Steve Womack gets, uh, gets a little mad when people characterize it as a tax hike. Um, he says, well, this is a tax that people are supposed to be paying all along, so it's not a tax hike. Um, we were talking about undocumented immigrants earlier that announced themselves as undocumented. Do either of you two have the bravery to admit that you've bought something on Amazon and haven't paid the sales tax? Okay. Stone-faced all around. That's fine. All right, let's get into something more lighthearted. Uh, so the legislature did address some serious issues. They also uh, changed the terms for the state poet laureate to make it from a lifetime appointment to a four-year term. And uh, Representative Carlton Wing of North Little Rock thought it'd be funny to read his bill in poem form. Colleagues, discussing a state poet laureate is House Bill 1261. Now, not all poems rhyme, but when they do, they're a lot more fun. So members of the house and friends in the gallery, let's talk about the art form and the words of poetry. Arkansas is rich in history with words that speak to our souls. We've got Miller Williams born in Hoxie and of course the great Maya Angelou. Anytime we wanna feel better or feel better about feeling worse, we often look to our poet artists who accomplish this with verse. What this house bill does is help more folks take the post. No longer a lifetime appointment. It's now four years at the most. Okay, that's unbearable. We can't listen to any more of it. There's more of it at KUAR.org, though. It goes on for another minute, and several state legislators reply in verse as well. I think they're very funny. Okay, uh, the other thing this week was the 100th anniversary of Arkansas recognizing women's right to vote, at least white women, only in primary elections. Back in 1917, uh, we, would talk, we would talk about that more, but instead I'll entice you to listen in on Monday morning at 6.44 and 8.44. We have an interview with Bernadette Cahill, who wrote a book about this, about the Arkansas women's suffrage movement. We later would become the first state in the South to ratify the 19th Amendment, sort of, except for Texas. It depends if you consider Texas to be the South. They were in the Confederacy. Okay, um, and we'll end this looking at the future. We'll look back at an interview with Michael Hiblin and Sarah White's Kodachek on that Supreme Court case addressing LGBT rights in Arkansas, whether specific cities have the right to grant those protections for sexual orientation or gender identity. The state says, no, you can't do that. On Thursday, the Arkansas Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a challenge to an anti-discrimination ordinance passed by Fayetteville voters in the fall of 2015. Earlier that year, the Arkansas legislature passed a bill prohibiting cities and counties from banning discrimination on a basis not included in state law. About a year ago, a Washington County judge upheld Fayetteville's ordinance. That's what the Arkansas Supreme Court justices are now considering. 
Arkansas Public Media's Sarah White Skodacek was in the courtroom and joins me now. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Michael. A lot of arguments here, uh, not specifically about the ordinance itself, but uh, technicalities on uh, how this is uh, being handled. Describe a little of the arguments being made here. Michael, as you said, this is about Fayetteville City Ordinance. There are similar ordinances in Little Rock and Eureka Springs and Hot Springs. Some of those aren't as expansive as the Fayetteville Ordinance, but this would apply to the whole state. And so Fayetteville is a case where the state is is saying that they can't have an ordinance that creates this lack of uniformity that the state law passed in the last legislative session. That's for businesses trying to determine what kind of discrimination policies they need to consider. And the arguments were about what is the basis in law for protecting a certain class and do we have a basis in state law to protect LGBT people? So the Fayetteville city lawyer said yes because there are these bullying statutes in state law that actually have referenced LGBT people and therefore there is a basis. The lawyer for the state said That's not a protected class. When the legislature ruled about a protected class, they meant something like discrimination on the basis of race, something that's enshrined in the Constitution under this protected class category. So that was one of the big arguments today. Right. And uh, let's hear a cut here from the uh, Arkansas Solicitor General, Lee Radofsky, arguing that, yes, this uh, would create a protected class, which is prohibited by this uh, state law. They took a classification that was provided, narrow, discrete protections, and they turned it into what I think in ordinary language everybody would understand as a protected classification by specifically giving them all the full panoply of rights, the full bundle of discrimination rights that the other protected classifications get. And he and the uh, attorney representing uh, Fayetteville, the Fayetteville city attorney, got quite a few uh, questions from the uh, justices uh, here is uh, uh, Justice Rhonda Wood, who suggested it was uh, clear the goal of this uh, legislation. The legislature included their intent. This isn't one where we have to guess what their intent was. The act included their specific intent was to avoid having cities with different ordinances, with different protections and different discriminations across the state. So this had to do with an argument about whether the law was motivated by what they call animus against LGBT people. And that might have been a basis to invalidate it. But the justice is saying we are going to rule on the intent that they stated. So there was some debate about whether certain tweets by members of the legislature expressing anti-LGBT sentiments when they were making these decisions is enough evidence to show that the business rationale for these bans is a pretense. And the question was, can we can we say that this is a pretense or do we have to take at the word of the legislature what the purpose of this really is? Yeah, it was interesting hearing uh, Radovsky arguing that uh, you can't read too much just into uh, uh, tweets and interesting that that is something that's uh, now coming up in a court argument. Uh, But the Fayetteville City Attorney, Kit Williams, argued that justices aren't necessarily considering the uh, ordinance that was passed there by itself, Uh, that uh, really the focus needs to be on the ruling from uh, March of last year on uh, whether or not the judge acted properly. 
I'm not here to argue the constitutionality. That's, that's not I'm not here to argue the constitutionality of, of this particular statute because it's not properly before you. This is not the case to stop 20 and 30 years of solid rules saying you're not going to consider that and jump into the constitutional question. This is a vital issue in this state. This issue is not going to go away. So this is a procedural question. He's saying the lower court chose not to rule on the constitutional issues in this case and sent it to the Supreme Court on a procedural issue. And the Supreme Court shouldn't decide this matter, shouldn't say we're throwing out these local ordinances because they have to send it back to the lower court. And, Michael, you know, around the country right now, state legislatures are considering anti-LGBT or anti-discrimination legislation that would put statewide bans in place. And I think this might foreshadow some of the types of battles we could see where local leaders are making decisions and voters are making decisions at the city level and then fighting it out with the state. Because the federal same-sex marriage is in place, I think we might see this issue now playing out in this way. And and as he said, it's going to go on, but um, you have this interesting case of deciding the matter on technicalities at this point. Uh, And I understand uh, Representative Bob Ballinger, the uh, Republican from Hinesville who led this in the legislature, was in the courtroom? Yes, so he is also a party in this case against the city of Fayetteville, and the state's attorney, Rudowski, said that he was speaking on behalf of both Ballinger and himself, both both parties. Well, we'll likely uh, get a ruling from the uh, state Supreme Court. Usually they roll within a few weeks. That's Arkansas Public Media's Sarah White's Coda Check. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening, though, to another episode of KUAR's Week in Review podcast. We're brought to you by UA Little Rock, that we're editorially independent. UAMS also supports us. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Tell all of your friends. Thanks a lot for listening in. I'm Jacob Kaufman. I'm Karen Trico-Stewart. I'm Chris Hickey. See you later. (laughs) 